Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 2022.7. My name is Rohan Karamandi, and as usual, I've got my good friend, Phil Hawthorne. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rohan. How's it going? Good. How are you? This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports their Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. All right, let's just jump into it. So Home Assistant had the Let's Get Loud event. Not sure how many people got a chance to catch that. I believe there was a couple of things that came out related to that as well. But it's pretty cool. So essentially, it's around uh, bringing a lot more music or audio focus to, to Home Assistant. Um, including things like ESP Homes uh, support with uh, audio devices, and uh, it was on. It's on YouTube. Check it out. It's about an hour and sixteen minutes, according to the YouTube channel. Uh, but essentially, yeah, they talk about quite a few things. So they talk about Home Assistant, uh, ESP Home, Raspi Audio, or Raspi Audio, or however you want to call it, and uh, and Music Assistant. So it's it's actually pretty neat. Um, where you know you can now leverage Home Assistant in a little different way to start playing music and move to different devices and things like that. And the reason it wasn't part of your normal average home assistant launches is that's actually tied in with the ESP uh, home release, right? So it was actually brought in alongside that. So Jesse from ESP home, uh, Paulus, Olivier from uh, Raspi Audio, as well as uh, Marcel Velt, who built the music assistant uh, tool, did a... Uh, a live stream? A live stream, exactly. Yeah, on on what it's about and stuff like that. It is actually really, really cool. Um, so essentially, like, you can use Music Assistant to kind of bring in a lot of the different sources that uh, that you leverage and then start playing it in different uh, devices or different groups, uh, up to and including... ESP home devices that now support uh, that now support uh, audio. So, for example, Olivier from Raspi Audio was talking about a lot of that kind of stuff as well um, to say, hey, you know, we can we can they've got this hardware that can plug in and, you know, you can flash whatever you want on it and, and use that. Right. Um, there's even like uh, ESP home based speakers that uh, that they talk about and stuff like that, which are pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's actually pretty neat. So if you didn't get the chance, check it out. And it's uh, it's a pretty neat event. We'll leave the we'll leave the uh, URL in the uh, show notes and uh, check that out. I would love to see because I know Home Assistant have like the Home Assistant Yellow. They've had Home Assistant Blue. I'd love to see them doing something like an ESP Home hardware speaker that could be you know purchased. Um, and bonus points if they can make it as a competitor to Sonos, like that would be <laughs> yeah, really yeah. cool, right? <laughs> so, so Raspi Audio does have that, right? I think I think uh, they were selling that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, which is uh, again, it's it's I don't I don't think it's supposed to be like Sonos level quality because uh, of course, I, I mean yeah. they're fairly inexpensive for for what they are. I, I don't have one to play with, so that that's not a that's not a review by any means. I just I just assume for that price point, it's not uh, it's not meant to be the you know, premium speaker experience that you would get, yeah, right? So, yeah, so I think I think that's kind of where that is. But it, it was a pretty neat event all in all. There was quite a bit of talk around uh, music and audio with that. They did, a, some, they did some demos, they did some uh, live demos, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think uh, check it out if you get the chance and uh, we'll, we'll post a link in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. All right, 
Uh, yeah, I, as I said, would love to see Home Misses, uh, you know, Nabucasa bring on and go ahead against, you know, Ikea and Sonos and Apple, everyone. Yeah. Create like a, a DIY-friendly all-in-one speaker. That would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, 2022.7 is here. Um, and I don't know if you've had a chance to check out the beta yet, Rahan, but um, the performance on this thing is insane. So, um and usually the, we get this in every release, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, performance improvements, your database improvements, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this one's actually a pretty substantial one. So there's a couple yeah. of reasons for that. Um, but the big performance increase comes, they've redone a whole bunch of their JSON and YAML uh, library that's being underpinned in Home Assistant. Even if you've long gone from YAML, um, a lot of the Home Assistant configuration uses JSON um, underneath. Um, yeah. So by them, you know, doing some major work on these libraries, they've been able to get, um, you know, basically what touches everything in Home Assistant is now so much more faster, snappier. I uh, usually use the reload, you know, configuration buttons all the time. Um, once I've edited my configuration in YAML, those things are really fast now. Um, generally, I could, you know, hit the reload automations button, yeah. go over to the automations, watch them, you know, one by one get, you know, removed and then come back one by one. Now, before I come back to the automation screen, like they're already reloaded. So, yeah. So, yeah, really impressed with that. Yeah, that's pretty, uh, it's actually pretty snappy too. I've, I've noticed that, like, again, I haven't done a ton of stuff since I updated it. I just, I, a lot of times I just kind of update it and we're like, all right, I got, I got something else to do and then go yeah, do that. Yeah. Right. But, but it's actually pretty neat how, uh, you know, I, I still love the, the focus on performance. Right. And in my opinion, especially when we compare it to where it was before. Uh, home assistant is extremely performant, right? Like it, it is, it is very good, but there's still a focus on let's make it better. Uh, yeah. so I, I am a huge fan of that. So that's, uh, I don't know. I just think it's really cool work. Yeah. And so also a part of the upgrade, um, is Python being upgraded to version 3.10. Yeah. Um, as of this release. So if you're using the home assistant OS or a container installation of home assistant, then there's nothing you need to worry about. Otherwise, yeah, if you're running, your own version of Python and manually running Home Assistant, and yeah. you would like to uh, take some, uh, you know, use the latest version of Python. There, yeah, it's available now for three point ten. Yeah. All right. Uh, you can also now update firmware for Z-Wave devices uh, or Z-Wave, depending on where in the world you're from, uh, from within Home Assistant. So you can essentially upload the updated firmware files in there uh, into Home Assistant, and then uh, Z-Wave JS or Z-Wave JS can push it out for you uh directly from the home assistant ui which is, yeah, nice. this is interesting so i don't know if you saw the whole uh jasco ge debacle that happened with linus tech tips around no i didn't oh okay so uh, i've tried i watched the video yesterday uh, basically linus is going through his whole smart home right he's using home assistant um around his house um and he bought like he, he claims ten thousand dollars worth of these uh, GE, Jasco, Z-Wave switches in the US, like mm -hmm. dimmer switches. The problem is they have motion sensors on the switches um, and they wouldn't, so he couldn't disable the motion sensor, right? To the point where he would turn off a switch um, and walk away from the switch, but him walking away would activate the motion sensor and the light would turn back on. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's a configuration key in most Z-Wave devices that you can, you know, customize things around with. Uh, he just wanted to change that. Um, he couldn't. Um, and he reached out to their support team and they said, hey, uh, no, we don't give out firmware. You have to go through your hub, which is, you know, in this case, uh, like SmartThings or 
uh, the Fabaro, wherever your, your hub is. Yeah. We don't give out the firmware to the public. And he was like, well, my hub is Home Assistant. Like I have a, yeah. a, a Zebway's a stick, right? Just give me the firmware to upload. No, we won't do that. Anyway, the TLDR of that is um, the he was able to fight with uh, GE, Jusco, and get them to release the firmware publicly. And as part of that release, they've also off, uh, given instructions on how to update that firmware with nice. Home Assistant. Um, it does suck that it did have to, you know, it was Linus that had to do this. Like if it was yeah. you or me, Rohan, or anyone else, because like, there's a whole thread on the Home Assistant forums about these switches. Yep. And for years, people weren't able to get any resolution from it. And it took, you know, a big YouTube personality to get this company to move, which kind of sucks. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not a fan of like public shaming, whatever, right? Like where mm. it's, it's you shame a company into doing something. Yep. Um, as much as, I mean, we, we go on our rants, but that, that is literally just us being like, hey, this thing annoyed me or whatever. The, the intent of that is not, you know, for, I mean, hopefully make some change, but <laughs> I, I don't think uh, Phil Hawthorne and Rowan Caramandy are, are quite that label yet where where we can actually have influence on on, on uh, manufacturers doing things, right? But, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad it got resolved, but it, it is unfortunate that that's what it came down to. Right? Mm, exactly. So, yeah, um, but at least now there's the ability within Home Assistant to just, yeah, flick off your update file and away it goes, which has been a feature that's been in ZWebJS for a few releases that I've been using it for. It was, um, so I guess they're just exposing an API endpoint yep. from there where they go. Which is cool. Very cool. All right. Uh, gauge cards now have labels. So if you're using a gauge card on the front end um, and you've got, you know, certain range that you want to be able to give a label you know like maybe this is a normal range this is a high range low range you can actually now have them displayed within the uh, front end of home assistant nice also history's gotten a little more love this time around too um you can filter the history using uh what's called a target selector so essentially you can just say hey what do i want to look at and bam all right uh something that i have found a bit confusing through my use of home assistant throughout the years is um being able to change the weather units to your preferences. Um, so I don't know, like depending on what weather integration I would install, like the wind yeah. speed would be, you know, like meters per second, maybe maybe it's miles per second. It's just M slash S, whatever it is. Um, whereas, you know, I would generally have my wind reported as kilometers per hour. Yeah. Uh, so as part of this release, Home Assistant have made a uh, big change to all the weather components in Home Assistant. And you can now uh, go in and select, I believe by default, it will try and match if you're using metric or imperial in your home system config. Yeah. But, uh, you should be able to also go in and customize, you know, if you prefer, you know, wind in this sort of, you know, scale, yeah. then you can use that. Yeah. Which is nice for like, again, like Canada as an example is yep. primarily metric, but we use imperial for some things. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, which is. UK might be the same. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's really weird. So, but uh so it's nice that it's not like pure this or pure that, right? So like, for example, like, you know, we, my, my driver's license has my height in centimeters, but I've, I don't think I've ever described my height in centimeters to anybody, right? And it's, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's, it's, you all use the inches and feet, right? It's, and uh, yeah, like it's, but it's, it is, it is weird. Uh, so it's, I don't know, some one of those weird things. Um, all right, moving forward, uh, you can easily now convert uh, values to booleans and templates. So before you needed a bit of uh, magic behind the scenes to, you know, go in and 
change it to hey, this is actually a boolean whatever uh but now you can just kind of say hey here it is boom uh, what i really like about this is they've also gone that little bit extra and supported like the home assistant version of booleans as well yeah. so if you have like if you're checking the state of on or off um in home assistant land you know that means true or false so yeah they've got support for that as well so mm-hmm. uh, that was yeah, a nice little touch as well i thought yeah, that is pretty cool. Uh, if you're a user of Sonos uh, and you have surround sound, uh, they can now tweak the surround sound settings um, per channel uh, in Home Assistant. So, uh, yeah, if you prefer TV to have a certain level for surround sound and movies have a different level, then you can do that with an automation now. Pretty cool. Nice. And kind of same theme related, um, Jellyfin, if you're a user of Jellyfin, now supports uh, movie collections in Home Assistant, So, which is nice. Hmm. All right. Um, the area card can now show flood alerts, humidity, and an icon for temperature. So, yeah, but love to the area card as well. Rahan, have you used the area card at all in your installation? No, no I haven't. No. I, I always thought, like, like, I like the idea of the area card, just not having the ability to customize it completely the way mm-hmm. I would. You know, like I don't necessarily need um, every room to have, you know, like uh, light level or whatever is in there. Yeah. Right? Um, to me, you know, I prefer to have like a, a picture entity card that I can then customize and have the exact sure. entities I want on it. But What parts you want, I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do like the idea of the entity card though, like the area card, I should say. Yeah. Um, like, makes sense. Yeah, which is, which is, I don't know, I think it's pretty cool. Mm. Um, all right, what else? So one last really cool thing is... Uh, it's not really cool. I just like the debug feature. So to me, it's really cool. Uh, it's the ability to pause uh, the logbook stream when you're scrolling. So a couple of releases ago, we brought in the whole piece where logbook is now live. You can start you know, seeing events real time. I push a button and bam, it's here it is uh, in the logbook without having to refresh or anything like that. Um, but that also brought in the challenge of if you have something that's updating so often, you're kind of sitting there trying to figure out the scroll and like, Stop scrolling down, stop scrolling up, whatever it is. And then, uh, so now there's a pause to that where you can just kind of pause it and say, okay, let me actually sit and read through all of this uh, so I can figure this, out what's Yeah. It's like, so the other night I was trying to debug something um, and I was like in the logbook trying to follow the, the timeline. And I didn't realize, mm. I think by default, it chooses like the last three hours um, up to the next hour or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, as I'm going scrolling down the list, I'm like, hang on, I've already read this. And like entities were, you know, <laughs> happening in real time, right? So my list was slowly going down the page and I thought, oh, this is so frustrating. Um, so I had to change the time back to, you know, exactly when I knew my issue had happened. So yeah, yeah this is yeah. Uh, smart, right? As soon as you scroll down the page a little bit in your logbook, the live scrolling will stop. So I think that's, yeah, really cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, the other thing you can do is just scope the time to when you want it to stop or whatever, right? And it'll stop at that point. But yeah, again, it's... But when you're like 11.29 p.m. that you need it to stop scrolling at, right? Yeah, a lot of times it's... You know, it's just a little easier to do it uh, with just the pause button. So I'm I'm a huge fan of that. Well, now you don't even need a pause button. As soon as you start, as soon as it detects your mouse is scrolling down the list, it stops. It'll do it. Yeah. Um, no new integrations in this release. That's nice. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Usually we get you know some random cryptocurrency or <laughs> geocaching or something. Yeah, like, yeah. But no integrations this release. So no, that's okay. Yeah. Um, let's talk about so, some breaking changes then. Yeah. So we mentioned before Python three point ten. Uh, so if you're using a custom component. 
that doesn't support Python 3.10, you may need to roll back to a previous version um, until that custom component is upgraded. So unfortunately, uh, there are so many custom components. Some may be in hacks, some may not be in hacks. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a community store. Uh, There's just no way to know what's going to break, uh, what's maintained. Um, I guess, yeah, that's the the cost of running a custom component, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Do watch out. So this, if you're running your own custom uh, Python version, you know, if you're still running Python 3.9, you can upgrade to this release. That's fine. But if you are running, you know, Home Assistant OS or Home Assistant in a Docker container, uh, they ship with Python 3.10 out the box. There's no, yeah. I don't think there's a 3.9 version available. And I guess it'll probably go on to the next point. Why don't you tell us about Bluetooth? What's happening there? Yeah, so BluePy, uh, which is a Bluetooth uh, Python library, so that's basically behind the scenes in a lot of uh, different Home Assistant integrations, is not mm. compatible with 3.10. Um, so if you do that, then there might be some stuff that's broken. Uh, so, for example, the uh, BWE SmartClim BLE sensor, the Elgato Avia, the EQ3 Smart Thermostats, the Levit- uh, Levitian, uh, Leviton uh, Decora switches, uh, the Miflora um, flower sensors or plant sensors and Zenge. So these are some of the ones that we know that use uh, that use BluePie in the background. So and by the time this release comes out, there could be more. I'm guessing too, right? Once they've gone through the code and seen, oh yeah, this one's affected. Yeah. So hopefully, um, hopefully there, there's an update to to the BluePie libraries pretty soon. Um, but if not, I know especially the Miflora is a pretty big one. Those are the uh, Xiaomi uh, plant sensors that you get. Those are BLE uh, driven. But a lot of times people do run those directly through uh, like a ESP32 or something like that, which uh, just through Bluetooth that way. So that may uh, that may so potentially work around it. Maybe. I don't yes. know. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy video lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. So this becomes the problem that I, I have, and this is sort of my pain point with this release. It's sort of, this is a, a doozy of a breaking change. Um, so you mentioned around Bluepie, hopefully it'll get an update soon. Yeah. That library has not been updated quite some time yeah and i don't think it's ever going to be updated uh home assistant have put a shout out in the release notes to say hey um we know that these integrations are no longer compatible with 3.10 we recommend that you use uh this bluetooth library for python if you can go in and upgrade it um to me like moving home assistant and all the like Docker containers and Home Assistant OS to 3.10, knowing that at least, you know, these integrations are not going to be working. 
I'd love to see the home assistant community offer a 3.9 variant for the time being, perhaps. Mm. I don't know if, you know, the what the reasoning behind not doing so is, or maybe someone could create a 3.9 temporary container just to support these for the time being. But yeah, it's again, yeah, it's last seen as updated in what, December 2018, right? So it's, mm. it's, um, that's not coming back. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a very popular Bluetooth um, Python library. So it's a shame to see it, you know, go away like that. Yeah. So the, the other the other platform is Bleak, right? So uh, the other mm. library is Bleak that is uh, updated, I believe. So, you know, for as long as that's the case, then, you know, I think the suggestion is, hey, can we move to Bleak um, to all of the all the people maintaining these uh, those those broken libraries that we mentioned, the broken mm. uh, plugins that we mentioned, right? Yeah, like I'm just I'm just looking at Bleak. There was something done last month in oh no, yesterday as of so July first as of the yep. time of this recording, right? We're recording on the second. So yeah, so yesterday was the last uh, update that was done. So again, it is very obviously still maintained. So which is uh, which is cool. So if if you are one of the release owners for or not the release owners, if you are one of the owners of some of those uh, integrations then uh, maybe that's something that we look into. Or if you're a Python developer and you think you can go in and, and change the Bluetooth library yourself, um, pull requests, always accepted. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a big, like, I'm just seeing, you know, there's, what, six integrations here that are no longer compatible with the latest version of... Yeah, and, and a couple of them assistant. are major too, right? So that's the, that's the key yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, my floor, like, that sticks that's out to me. So. Yeah. But then again, Home Assistant does have the statistics now, so they probably know, all right, maybe it's a good up actually. Can we find that out? Maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, we should answer our own question here. Like, why have, have these been, you know, considered not a major? Well, there you go. So I said my floor just then, 0.7% uh, of installations reporting statistics via Home Assistant Analytics are using my floor. So yeah, because a lot of a lot of folks, like I said, do run it through uh, like some kind of abstraction, right? Like ESP Home or something like that, and then dump it into MQTT for auto discovery, things like that. So yep. I think most of the guys are focused on something like that. So again, that that's a good alternative too, right? Is you know you as much as it sucks, you spend a couple of bucks to get a get a ESP uh, get a ESP thirty two. Yep. Load ESP Home onto there uh, with the um, my flora app right and there's or not app but script um and there's yep. a ton of uh, there's a ton of guides out there for it so and i've just checked all those integrations uh all of them have less than one percent usage so i guess maybe so maybe it's not a big deal not a big deal but for those one percent of people out there uh, yeah yeah stuck until those integrations can get an upgrade path yeah yeah agreed all right, Google Calendars has a breaking change. So the scan for calendar service has been removed and should be replaced with a service call to the reload config entry. Makes right. sense. Keep that standard. Um, also, the add event service has been deprecated and should be replaced um, with a new service called create event, which now takes a Google Calendar entity ID instead of the Google Calendar ID, which I think makes a lot more sense since you have the entity ID available within Home Assistant as opposed to that awful ID that Google Calendars have. <laughs> yeah. Um, alongside Google, uh, Nest has a breaking change. And uh, essentially the authentication method that they use, uh, which is called like, there's a few names for it, desktop, installed app, or mm. OOB, which typically stands for out of the box. 
that type of authentication has been deprecated by Google and will be breaking in October, right? So you got a little bit of time, but uh, as a result, basically Home Assistant has gone ahead and upgraded the Nest integration to be a little more streamlined uh, so that they can actually go in and so you can actually go in and not have it break uh, ahead of time. So the OAuth application credentials for the Nest integrations will be moved to the UI and you can use it. Uh, you can, I believe you should be able to use the uh, OAuth, the new OAuth uh, application credential page uh, to, to build those in as well. So if you're already using WebAuth, uh, your existing Nest app credentials in YAML will be brought in automatically in this release and you should be good. If not, then just note that and that's uh, you'll have to go in and manually uh, do your OAuth uh, app credentials into the UI. What's interesting, I have a Nest Fire smoke alarm, fire alarm, spike smoke alarm, um, and yep. I've never, it's been on my network <laughs> for ages, um, I've Same. never integrated it with Home Assistant. In fact, I bought it just like the month before Google announced um, that they were changing their APIs for Google yeah. Nest. Um, and I had two. I returned one. Um, I kept this one. The other day, the Home Assistant can, like detected it on my network and said, would you like to configure it? I've never seen that before. I, I've just checked here. It hasn't come back. I don't know if it was a mistake um, for whatever reason. Interesting. But, um, yeah, I maybe I don't know if there's been a change. It's now allowing me to, you know, auto discover the Nest thermostat, uh, not Nest thermostat, the Nest smoke detector, um, and configure it. Uh, I know PJ, who's emailed us a couple of times this year, uh, was mm-hmm. yeah, pretty upset about this change. So I'm hoping that with you know this change um, and the workaround PJ had. Um, is still going to work for him. Yeah, it's I've I've had these same same like you, Phil. I've had I have two Nest uh, fire or, or smoke alarms, whatever. <laughs> smoke alarms, that. yeah. And and I've I've had those since before I started using Home Assistant either, right? So yep. it's uh, <laughs> those are. I mean, they they're just as much as I get annoyed with Nest. Those things have just been kind of chugging along. Yep. And zero maintenance. I've had it in Home Assistant for quite a while to the point where I don't actually remember how I brought it into Home Assistant. Was it a custom plugin? I don't think it Interesting. was. Interesting. Yeah, because I was because um, that was the reason I wanted like I wanted the, the ability like when a fire is detected or smoke is detected that automations kick off, right? Um, but then like with the Google changes that they did, I was like, oh, it's going to be too much effort to bring it in, maintain it. Um, I'll just use the app, right? Um, yeah. Oh, I just looked and it's unavailable. Okay, maybe it just hasn't worked forever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. It's it's one of those things where I don't really because because I still have the I still have the app installed. Just again, it, it gives me a lot of heads up and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. That the uh like it tells me when there's a sound check that's about to be done, and so the, so those devices, if you're not aware of it, they basically do like a little like chirp to test the sound once a month. Uh. But it will it'll give me a proactive like. Hey, you know your sound check is about to happen, so that means if I'm on a call, but the problem is you can't schedule these sound checks, at least as far as I've seen. Oh, interesting. Uh, so if I'm on a call or something, I know, hey, you know what? Ahead of time, just like a couple of seconds ahead of time, uh, or maybe like thirty seconds ahead of time, I'll be like, yep. okay, I need to mute in like thirty seconds, and then when you hear the bleep bleep, I'll just quickly mute, and then because it'll do my upstairs one, and then it'll do my downstairs one, and then uh, and then you'll get a notification, hey, sound check is complete. So you're like, all right, I'm I'm all clear. Um, but I do like the fact that they have that, right? It's uh, you don't, yeah, like, you I, don't, I think I've disabled that. I don't, 
I don't have never. I think I've seen it in the setting somewhere, but I've, I don't think I've ever experienced a, a sound check happening. I know oh, I can, you know, ask it to do a, a sound check yeah. through the app, or I can, you know, press the button to test. You know, yeah. Um, but I don't think I've had it automatically happen. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know if I if I do get the. I don't know. I just, I've just always had it. So I, I may, maybe like, again, that's not an app that I, that I go into or do anything with. Right. I just, yeah. I just kind of sort of like a set and forget thing, right? Like, yeah, it's, been done. it's there. I know this when I get the sound check notifications, I'm like, okay, it still works. Great. Cool. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> cause, cause, I mean, even think traditional, traditional home alarm system, right? Like once every like six months or whatever, typically doing like time change, that's what they say, right? Is go test yeah. your alarm or whatever. Yep. Exactly. Uh, that's the only time I ever think of like, Oh, Right, I have my smoke alarm, right? Which is uh, so this way, it's kind of nice. It reminds you once a month that hey, you, <laughs> this thing exists and it still works. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, all right. Um, and also, as I mentioned before, the weather components. So all weather integrations providing weather entities. So previously, the units for weather had not been corresponding correctly with the documentation. Mm-hmm. These units are now aligned for pressure and wind speeds. So if the unit system is metric, the default pressure unit is uh, HPA, whatever that is, and the default wind speed unit is kilometers per hour. Um, And, yeah, there's a similar one for Imperial. Um, So, yeah, just check your weather integration. Make sure, you know, if you are using those sort of things to do automations, they may change in this release. Nice. And last but not least, this is Z-Wave JS version. Yeah, seems to be the go-to thing when we're doing a, a, a release this year yeah so pretty tied together at the moment yeah makes sense so, upgrade one upgrade the other so. um i don't know Rohan. we talked uh, a few episodes ago now um mm-hmm. about the dark sky going dark um and we you know we had a cloud strike <laughs> yeah. again segment on it um so the, the small you know what, what happened there was apple had purchased the dark sky um to basically integrate uh, their weather platform into yeah. Home Assistant. Um, so I think they announced originally it was like, you know, and like they gave you like six months grace period. That was like mm-hmm. years ago, maybe mm-hmm. like 18 months ago. Since then, I think the deadline has been pushed out, pushed out, pushed out. Um, I got an email this month saying um, that Apple has announced WeatherKit, which is yeah. going to be the new version of the dark sky. Um, and so... Um, as part of the acquisition of Dark Sky, um, that they're rolling out the new weather API, which is called WeatherKit, um, and the API will be available via a REST API, which is good nice. for Home Assistant. So um, Home Assistant would need a REST API to get this data from Apple. Um, however, it does require an Apple developer's license, um, right. which does cost a yearly subscription fee. There yeah. is... Half a million calls per month are included with an Apple developer license, um, and then they have pricing uh, as extra uh, with you making more than half a million API calls. It is designed for you know app developers to you know put weather inside their apps and you know then uh, do that. Yeah, so so I wonder if that's something where like that. You know, is that something that like Nabucasa could handle, where they would make that API call, whatever. But at that point, there's all of these other providers, right? Why why drive up the cost? Um, yeah, exactly. And that's what I was thinking too. And then I guess also where, because like Nebuchadnezzar could be like in a good position to cache some of that data, right? Like if you've got three home business users in Toronto, 
right? Like you don't necessarily need to make three calls to get the same weather. Yeah. Right? Like Nebuchadnezzar could act as a proxy to the uh, weather kit API and just save an API call. But I, if, you know, the cynic in me says that Apple would have, you know, licensing that says you can't do that. But yeah, I, I would assume so. Right. Mm. But I mean, it is a developer toolkit though. So maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But there's, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, yeah, like I, I'd be interested to see what happens there, but uh, might be kind of cool um, to have that back. I know, again, they've been doing quite a bit. Like, again, they are releasing, I don't know if you saw on like iOS 16, they're releasing like an I, or sorry, iPad OS 16. They're releasing a new full screen weather app and like stuff like oh, that, which really? they didn't have before, right? So it's, yeah, it's, I, I'm guessing a lot of that is tied back to uh, the Dark Sky acquisition. Yeah, uh, getting just, more data and richer data that they can use, right? Yeah, it, but it's, it's, it's just weird that they acquired a company, they spent money on this and they kind of sat on it for, not sat on, I'm sure they were doing stuff in the background, but just, you know, didn't release anything uh, publicly for it, right? So, mm. It's I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting that that that's the case. But yeah. maybe, maybe there's a lot that happened in the back end where they had to rewrite a ton of stuff and re- rebuild a ton of stuff. And um, but uh, yeah, that's entirely speculation because I know nothing about what <laughs> Apple's doing. So oh, yeah. you don't? Oh, okay, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't. Uh, Tim uh, Tim Cook doesn't call me and say, "Hey, man, this is what we're doing this week." Uh, I still not returning your calls. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but. You know, it is what it is, but um, I think that is it. Um, yeah. What's your hit list for this month in home automation? Brian, what are you going to try and Honestly, my goal accomplish? this month is just sleep. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not doing a whole lot in this. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's just a ton of stuff I have to do uh, outside of home automation. So this week's going to be a little bit of a... Uh, a light, uh, a lighter week uh, or month, I guess, for for home automation. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. I've been I've been trying to bring together just some like, you know, just refactor some of my like, hey, I'm goodbye automation or mm. you know, uh, goodnight automation stuff like that. But uh, again, that's not really like I'm not building a ton of stuff around there or anything like that. So how did you go with your uh, Bluetooth lock? Did you get that sorted? I know you had some trouble with it, you know, taking ages with, you know, goodnight routine and pausing it to be able to yeah. resolve that. Yet? So I, I got rid of I got rid of the Kivo um, mm-hmm. as in I still have it, but like I pulled it out. Um, unfortunately, the only possible locks that still fit without me having to um, drill a hole in my door, which again is typically not an issue but the problem is just because the placement of the the window in my door yeah that's right. uh it would literally hit the, the window uh and and i don't really want to spend the money right now at least for a new door uh so unfortunately the only only brand i can mostly use are the uh wiser ones which in the u.s is called Quickset, and canada it's called wiser but same same brand yep uh and they have a so i actually opted for a touchpad uh lock just so that i don't have to deal with that and it does have bluetooth has wi-fi built in as well uh but unfortunately it's cloud connected which i'm not a fan of oh no i know i know just so none of the none of the none of the zigbee or z-wave locks uh that are available at least for me here in canada are uh would work with my door you should get uh, the access to the American version though, right? Because the Z-Wave uh, frequencies are all the same for North America. Yeah, yeah. It's just the only problem is again, uh, those are just, like again, some of these locks are a lot of money. Yeah. Like I thought I paid a 
like I think the lock I paid for like or the lock that I ended up buying was I want to say it was like 250 or something like that which is still fairly expensive for a lock yeah, yeah. Um, and some of these other ones that I'm seeing especially if I got it like shipped in and things like that are like four or five hundred I know there was quite actually quite a few cool suggestions where uh, like from users on Twitter and stuff like that where it's uh, we could put in uh, what is it like it's, it's essentially in the lock mechanism uh, so the actual bolt mechanism so in there, that is smart. Uh, oh. So you can just kind of use whatever lock behind it and use that. But the prices on those are still fairly steep. They're like four or 500 US. Yeah. Right. Um, so which is, I, I just didn't want to part with that much money right now um, for the lock. So just at least temporary stopgap. Maybe maybe afterwards I'll get a nicer door or whatever when, when, you know, when we have the budget for it, essentially. Um, and review a lot of that stuff at that point. But for now, I'm sticking with this. It's, you know... Worst case, I mean, right now it is it is a hacks add-on that I have for it. It works. Um, it's not, uh, I'm not getting the, like, it's really weird though. The lock reports is jammed a lot of the times, but it is properly locked and it's not jammed at all, actually. <laughs> like it's strange because it, I have um, my Yale Z-Wave lock and it reports in home. It's like there's a, a binary sensor, you know, jammed. Yeah. And I think since I've had the lock, it has reported jammed as true yeah. um, or on. So, and that's never cleared. I don't know how to unclear it. Um, so I've just, I just ignore it, but I don't. Yeah. Well, so right now home assistant shows my lock as unlocked typically, uh, yep. when it is jammed. So when I close it from inside, just with the latch, it, right. it, it shows locked. But when yeah. I hit it, hit the lock button outside on the touchpad, it, it jams. Um, Interesting. but it's not jammed. Like I've, I've had like, you know, my, my wife stand outside, hit the lock button and like, I'm turning it and it's, it's yep. actually properly locked. Mm. Um, and you try to pull it, whatever is properly locked. It's, it's still like, so maybe it's just not, maybe it's like 99% of the way, not a hundred percent. I don't know. Maybe there's something weird there. Uh, but the, the wiser app reports it as, uh, as jammed, but, uh, and home assistant, because I think that integration doesn't have a jammed feature. Mm-hmm. I think it just has an unlock and a lock. So it doesn't uh, report it as uh, that, but at the same time, it is part of my good night routine. When I do say good night, it does lock it. So I, I'm fairly happy with that i wish i could actually properly view it in home assistant so at least when i'm traveling i'm like it doesn't show unlock so right now i still have to crossfire uh, the other app yeah i think what i've what i've realized is i hate locks it's yeah. just it's just pain. <laughs> um have you got a sensor on the door like to tell if the door is open or closed i well? do yeah yeah I, okay. it's, it's on the door so i can i can actually tell if the door is opened which is Again, the one time actually how I found out that my my wiser lock when I walked mm. away, my, my previous one, the the Kivo, when I tapped, because you have to tap on it and whatever, I thought I yep. heard the sound, but I didn't actually hear the sound. The thing is in my head, you're like, okay, tap, give it a second. You hear the the whirring of the motor to lock it, whatever. And uh, luckily we were only five, 10 minutes away and uh, we opened the door or sorry, uh, we, were, we were, I don't know, I was getting a belt or something like that or a hat or something. And... You know, all of a sudden I just see, and it was like middle winter. I just see, hey, your front door is open and my, or it's been open for like a minute or whatever. And my HVAC yeah, is turned like, off. And I was like, oh crap. So we rushed back home and I saw, and lo and behold, my door was open. So it just hadn't caught the lock properly. And and that's when I realized my door latch was actually, uh, not the latch, the, the door handle had an issue too. And I was like, all right, just, just get rid of it. It's, Were you able to find the lock with Tumblr? Like um, you needed a, a key on your door, right? We, this, this replacement got yeah, so, key as well? 
So it's got a key as well as a keypad. Yep. So I just we now we actually primarily use a keypad, and and I actually find that the keypad right now is actually way faster than the Kivo was even before, even though I have to manually type in my code. Mm. Yep. Um, and so I'm I don't know like a hundred times happier, and 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 again at least at least I'm not locked out. I'm not whatever. There's no fear of it being like, or I'm not sitting there holding my groceries or whatever it might be that's heavy, sitting there being like. Or standing there being like, okay, come on, open. Like my hands are hurting, right? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, so at least for now, that one is, that one's resolved, uh, temporarily at least until, until I can get one that actually works with, uh, my, uh, bore size for the door. So, yeah. We'll throw a, a link up to the lock that Rahan's talking about as well, in case you're interested in, you know, how Rahan solved his solution and what he's gone for. So, yeah. We'll throw up a link in the show notes as well. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. I think that's an episode. Great. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next release. All right. Cheers. Take it easy. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.